Hey besties, welcome to Sunshine and Rainbows podcast, a space where we chat about moments when life isn't. I'm your host, Amanda, and I cannot wait to get into this important conversation with our next guest, Mallory. This episode dives into everything from her ongoing bobsled dreams to tackling everyday mental health battles. This conversation was one that definitely needed to be heard, especially from me. So you won't want to miss this. Let's get started. Oh, hey. (laughs) So I know I said we were going to get started, but just give me one second of your time. So I told you last week that I had exciting news, and I'm honestly just too happy that I can't even keep it in anymore. Sunshine and Rainbows podcast now has a Patreon program. I started this podcast in hopes to start important conversations surrounding mental health, breaking societal norms, and support inclusivity in all areas. Besties, we have accomplished that and more. So it's time to take this little love project to the next level. Starting now, you can pick a tier that best works for you and your budget, all while supporting me and my hopes to grow this podcast even further. Depending on the level you select, there are bonuses, exclusive content, early access to merch drops. Yeah, I said merch (laughs) and more. By supporting me on Patreon, you'll help me reach my goals to break even with my hosting subscriptions, upgrade my equipment someday, and my dream, (laughs) eventually hiring someone part-time to help with scheduling, producing, transcripts, and so much more. Besties, you're incredible, and I'm so lucky to be doing this right alongside each and every one of you. You can find the information down in the episode notes or on my website. Okay, now get ready to meet Mallory. Awesome. Well, Mallory, thank you so much for being willing and able and coming onto the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I always joke with Kev that you're my number two fan. He's like my number one fan. But ever since I started the podcast, you are always like first like, first comment. And I'm just so, it's just It's amazing to have you be a supporter of literally everything I do. We finally got to meet in person. I know. I feel like we've been following each other on social media for years, like pre me ever doing in the animal field, anything. And I think you were doing internship and I was just like, oh, I want to be this girl. And then we ended up like intertwining and crossing paths and it's just been incredible. So um, I want to give you a chance to say hi and introduce yourself to everyone listening. So take it away. All right. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Mallory. I used to be in the animal field. I worked primarily as an aquarist, but I've done marine mammals. I've done some postdoc, which is kind of fun. A little bit of everything. And I left the field to pursue a career as a bobsled athlete now. So I teach high school full time, but, um, Every spare moment has basically been training for bobsled and trying to make the team with the hopes of going to the 2026 Olympics. I got a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. I actually worked at the gift shops in SeaWorld when you were in education. What? I found you on Instagram uh, like a million years ago. That is so wild. It's just small world when it comes to the animal field and especially... I feel like social media too, like social media feels huge, but in reality it can be so small. So that is crazy. Um, 
Yes. So you have reached out to me saying you're interested in talking definitely about mental health. I know you and I have gone through some similar life changes with leaving the animal field. And I'm just really interested in hearing your take on how you navigated all of that because I know you and I are both very similar when it comes to the fact that we're Enneagram threes, we're perfectionists. <laughs> like we have that drive to always be perfect and have everything figured out. And it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've left the field twice and both times it was really different navigating it. So the first time it ended up being not because of my husband, but in part yeah. because of my husband, because I wasn't happy at the zoo I was in and it wasn't feeling like I was thriving. Nothing I wanted to do was being followed. And I was just, I was very frustrated. Mm. He wasn't in a position to move. And so yeah. it was like, there was no, no other options. And I was like, well, I kind of see myself marrying this guy. I also don't want to give him this career. Yeah. And so I felt kind of shoved out in a way where it was like, there was nowhere else for me to go. And that took a huge toll on me mentally because I had tied my self-worth into being a zookeeper and being that unique person with the cool job. And so without, yep. yeah, without that, I felt so lost. It was terrible. Um, and so I tried to find a new identity, didn't end up really getting foot anywhere. So I went back to zookeeping, but during like the whole couple of years, I think it was three years I was out of the field, I had started CrossFit. And yeah, like, yeah, I was like, I went and joined a cult. And it was great. <laughs> you just traded one cult for another yeah. because zookeeping is a cult in itself. Pretty much. <laughs> and then the zookeepers who CrossFit were all just like, mm. yep, yep, <laughs> subcult. But I had kind of done that in the background and competed a little bit, knew I wasn't ever going to be like an elite CrossFit athlete, but. The same time I had restarted my zookeeping career, a few CrossFit girls had transitioned into bobsled very successfully. Wow. <laughs> and I have always been athletic, always loved Olympic sports. And I was like, wait a second, like a light bulb kind of sparked in my head. And I tried to do both for a little bit and I realized it wasn't going to be possible. And instead of feeling like I was forced out of the field, I had to sit down and like really be like, what is more important? And I had done everything I wanted to do in zookeeping. Yeah. I felt my path had kind of finished and I there wasn't anything that I hadn't checked off my bucket list. So I was like, let's try and go to the Olympics because that's rational, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's so cool. And I have loved following your journey online because you are very open on all of your social media platforms. Like your Facebook is where I go for possum memes because you <laughs> love to share possum memes and I every time I see one I'm like oh I gotta show Mallory and then I'm like nope she posted it that's yep. why I saw it and then recently your Instagram has really taken this turn where you are so open and so raw and real and before we started recording I said to you like oh yeah I know it's gonna be a good conversation because today you just posted that today was a dumpster fire and it just like it's so refreshing that you're doing all these big amazing incredibly athletic things, but you still have off days, even though you're literally the most athletic person that I know. <laughs> I like, I wish my, my athleticism matched like my mental game, but that's my, biggest, <laughs> my biggest struggle is like, I have terrible anxiety. 
Like, yeah. and I'm high functioning, but I don't like I get things done, but it is this labor and I'm exhausted just from like basic tasks and juggling now two jobs and training for this. It's, it's become a lot and I'm not someone, I have a lot of allergies to medication, so I can't rely on medication. I only see a therapist once a month. And so it, yeah. it's a lot of like kind of learning how to cope, learning how to schedule and building in mental health time into my life when I sometimes don't have time to eat lunch. <laughs> yep. All of that. So that being said, has going for this new goal of the bobsled team, has that helped your mental health? Has it made it a little worse? Are we like breaking even? <laughs> I think we've traded one thing for another. We're like, okay, I, I tied all my self-worth into zookeeping and now I'm fighting not to try and like tie all my self-worth into this because I haven't made the team yet and there is a chance yeah. that I couldn't. While right now I'm very early in starting off and I'm doing really well, it's still a multi-year process. So yeah, I, when people are meeting me, they're like, you're going to the Olympics. And I'm like, not yet. Don't say that nah. in my brain yet because yep. that's all I'm going to think about. That's all I'm going to be. And I have other things like I am a teacher. I want to be able to give things to my students and have that mm -hmm. there. So I'm fighting it, but I can see it slipping in. And then just like the feelings of which I got during internships and zookeeping. I've gotten during every sport that I've ever played. It is like that comparison I'm really bad about it and I will everything I do I'll sit and compare myself to someone else and that's probably where a lot of the burnout I'm feeling now is coming from because I'm seeing girls who are on the team and I'm like they're doing that better they're doing that better I need to yeah. work on this and so I just beat myself into the ground trying to fix everything and I'm like I'm not gonna fix everything in a week but I say nope. that now 10 minutes from now I'm gonna go run in a circle for an hour <laughs> <laughs> So if you don't mind, can you walk us through the process of what it would be like to get on the team? So you yes. woke up one day and you were like, hey, bobsledding yeah. would be cool. Walk us up to where we are now and then tell us what you have to do between like, what is it five years from now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I decided I wanted to do it in November, but I didn't fully commit to it because I, I wasn't confident in my skills. Come February, I decided to hire a track coach because it's a lot of sprinting. So it's a lot of strength and sprinting. Had the strength, never ran in my life. So I <laughs> learned how to run from scratch. Uh, the audition process was different this year because of COVID. So it was all online. So I had to film of me sprinting, me lifting, me jumping, me <laughs> like just doing random throwing things and send it to them and just kind of wait to hear. So I sent them audition tapes in May and then I obsessively checked every single day to make sure they watched them. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and then uh, the first week of June, I got a text message being like, we have one spot left at our rookie camp. I know it's last minute, will you be there? And I'm like, I will book my ticket now. <laughs> yeah. And I went, I spent a whole week in Lake Placid and they have a bobsled on wheels, which is super, super fun. And that's what we learned on all week was just like how to push it, how to sprint, how to get into it without like falling on your face. Cause that's harder than it looks. Well, and there's different, there's different, not like levels, but 
different versions of bobsled, right? So yeah. there's the team and then there's skeleton and different, right? Exactly. So there's skeleton, which I am too big for, so I didn't try. I was not going to okay. throw myself on the ground for that. It looks no. really cool when they do it, but I'm like face first down a mountain at my size is not going well. <laughs> Have fun with that. Um, and then for women, there's monobob, which is only pilots. So they push the sled by themselves, get in and pilot. And this is this coming Olympics will be the first year that that's available. Um, wow. So yeah, that's brand new. And then it used to only be two women. Bob. Okay. Um, and that's what I'm going for. I am not eligible to be a pilot because of my age which is fine because that seems really stressful. Yeah. It's like a six and eight year process. So they want people under 26. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So wow. I'm going for a brakeman, which basically means I just run as fast as I can at the back of the sled duck and then just hold on for dear life. Wow. <laughs> so um, so awesome. your job would be at the beginning then. So you're like, helping push and then once you're in you just like duck and cover and pray for the best yep, and then when the last turn just remember to hit the brakes <laughs> there you go oh yeah that's essential okay we're done <laughs> oh so being in lake placid again i was watching all of your instagram stories and everything and you started out and it looked really hot outside and then all of a sudden you switched and you were on the ice and i was like whoa <laughs> so it looks like ice but it was actually the concrete slabs so that wow. will cover over with ice in the winter, but it's all concrete and it's super, super thick and the walls literally go vertical. So we're walking like sideways and we're like, how is the sled supposed to go all the way up there? Oh my gosh. And we went down on the wheeled sled, which only gets about 65 miles an hour. The actual bobsleds go about 90 to 95. I was going to say only, that's still pretty fast. Like, yeah, maybe not in a car, but when you're in something without a roof, that's pretty fast. <laughs> it was, it, we were throttled. It was just like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the entire time that you're training, you're meeting like coaches on the team. Did you meet like actual teammates as well too? Yes. We met a whole bunch of developmental athletes. We met some national team members. One of the most decorated women's Olympians in bobsled watched my race. Casual. Yeah, casual. I was not <laughs> being myself. Being like, <laughs> <laughs> so like they were all there scoping us out because they, who you pair up with as far as like brakemen and pilots and stuff can change. Pilots will typically pick their own brakemen. So they're all watching. Wow. Like, are any of these girls worth picking and like scoping us out <laughs> it was very intimidating and it was scary but it was a lot of fun <laughs> and from what i remember you did pretty well right i did so we had a race at the end so they at the end of july all the people on the national team will have a push championships to, to kind of determine rank going into the next year and it's for fun as well so we did our own push champs to kind of determine our rank as rookies with like them not having any idea of our abilities I ended up winning which was like completely surprising for me I was terrified that I was oh going to last and I ended up winning that is so cool and probably so rewarding and validating too that again you pivoted your entire life dreams and goals and how rewarding for it to just pay off just in that you know yeah it was it was surreal and I think I haven't had a good 
competitive moment in the past couple of years, like the past CrossFit competitions, I've had literally a crying meltdown at every single one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like it's been a disaster. And so this one, like before we started racing, I 10 minutes before I put on my favorite music and I literally danced in the parking lot like an idiot. And I honestly think it helped because I wasn't concerned with anyone. I was just having fun and it was like, oh, time to go. Okay. <laughs> It was way less stressful. That's awesome. And so I'm just going to keep doing that because that seemed to work. <laughs> there you go. So that brings me to one of my questions then. How do you think mental health plays a role in you chasing these dreams of being a professional athlete? I mean, it's a huge part of what I do because how I feel mentally is going to affect how I'm performing. Like today I've not had a great mental day and so I had three sessions and not a single one of them went very well Mm -hmm. so being able to one recognize when I'm not feeling mentally well and kind of setting those expectations for those sessions and not expecting them to be like blown out of the water because it's not going to happen if I'm going in and be like I'm going to overcome and run (laughs) going to be the best session ever and it's going to fix my brain that's not how it works like I'm having no it's fine. I just kind of need to be honest with myself about it and really setting myself up for success when I know that that's going to happen. Like I know I'm going to have anxiety someday. I know I'm going to have days where I'm depresso and no espresso will fix it. (laughs) (laughs) So like I, I try and like have routines set up to help combat that. So I, will pre-make my breakfast if I can see that I'm starting to get tired and then I just can sleep in a little bit longer the next day and not have to worry about getting up and getting everything ready. I'll set out all my outfits. I make like five outfit changes a day, which is great. So yeah, but like doing those little like organizational things kind of helps take the pressure off of the next day if I have a million things to do or if I wake up and I'm just like, I feel like a dumpster fire and nothing you know, (laughs) this will make my day slightly easier. I'm glad I thought of it ahead of time. Yeah. And I think that's so good too, because again, you and I are so similar and we thrive off routine. And for me, when my routine or something feels out of my control, that's when my anxiety spikes. And so when you're controlling at least all the things that you can control in your environment, you're at least helping yourself out in that sense. Mm -hmm. Right now, like a lot of our next steps because of COVID and it being an Olympic year are up in the air. I'm trying to control what I can and just for training with kind of the only rough date I have in mind and set everything up and just not worry about, are they going to text me to come back sooner? Is it going to be later? Like, because I'm just going to psych myself out and freak myself out. Yep. Yep. So that being said, what does training look like for you? I see you're still doing CrossFit, but you're also doing all your track workouts too. Yes. So I've cut back on CrossFit quite a bit. I was doing like two or three CrossFit workouts a day. Now I go just to like class with everyone else and have fun. Okay. Which is nice. It's a lot less pressure because CrossFit's super competitive anyways. (laughs) I don't need any more of that. Um, but yeah, so right now I'm on summer break, so I get to train a little bit more. I will do a CrossFit session in the morning. I'll typically run in the track in between, and then I'll do an Olympic weightlifting session in the afternoon. Once school starts, I will be either running or lifting in the morning, teaching all day, and then running or lifting, whichever one I didn't do in the morning, in the afternoon. Okay. 
Um, now with teaching, what <laughs> you're all right, science, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. How do you do you like teaching? I I like the aspect of like teaching the kids. And mm-hmm. I ended up at the school I'm at because I tried teaching fifth grade at a public school in Missouri and the bureaucracy and the education system for public education as it is does not vibe with me <laughs> very well. Yeah. So I'm at a more experimental private school right now, which is all inquiry-based okay. learning. We're literally getting the kids chickens. The, my animal behavior class is going to build an obstacle course and train. <laughs> what? Yeah, like we're, we're going full like chicken obstacle course this year. <laughs> That's the, amazing. It's super cool and it gives me a lot more freedom but this is my first year teaching high school. So that's a new curveball. And because it's not public school, I have to create all the lessons myself. So that's been my summer stress is like, I'm not a teacher. Like I don't have a degree in education. I don't have a background on lesson planning. So I'm just teaching myself as we go along. Yeah. Well, and how crazy too. I feel like most of the time when people leave the animal field, they find themselves within the education field because I feel like, the tools that you use to communicate with animals, its people don't think about it, but the psychology of behavior and all of that directly relates to working with kids in school. It's so similar. And even just like when I'm writing lesson plans, it's very similar to behavior plans for like training. <laughs> like I'm trying to, my successive approximations on what I want yes. to learn. <laughs> and so it's, it's very similar. So it's nice that I at least have some sort of skill set that I can rely on. It's all the extra paperwork where I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> like for parent teacher night, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, what did they want to see? I don't know. Help. I'm like, <laughs> PowerPoints. Do they want to see all of them? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Well, and I think it's so funny too, because growing up, I always thought my teachers had it all together and didn't actually think of them as real humans. And now being in my late twenties, all of my friends are teachers and I'm just like, wow, we still don't know what we're doing, but you have to like, I guess, put on that face for kids and be like, Hey, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. I, I'm probably more honest with the kids than I should be where I'm like, I really don't have my life figured out. guys. I let them know. I'm like, I'm like, this is my first year teaching. We are going to be figuring this out together. I'm pretty blunt with them. I'm like, I'm training for They're going to know that, like, they knew I was training for bobsled, but I'm going to do, like, a whole big thing of, like, what your teacher did over the summer. (laughs) What? That's so cool. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like, I I feel like that disconnect that I had with my teachers and that you did where they weren't real people, that's one of my goals is to try and break that and be, like, because I want them to be honest about their mental health with me. I'm going to be as honest as I can be without breaking that, like, professionalism barrier. Be like, look. Right. I, your teacher has anxiety. Like I deal with this every day. Like I also, you know, am dyslexic. Like let's figure this out together. Um, because I think we, they need more of that vulnerability. And that's something that like this school is allowing me to offer, which is really, really nice. That's amazing. And especially at that age, I feel like high school is when you, a lot of mental illnesses are starting to become diagnosed then. At least for me, that's when all of my mental health issues started was in high school, but it, it wasn't as generalized or talked about. And I was, I remember sitting in my psych class going, Oh, I feel that way. Huh? You know, like, Oh, 
ha. <laughs> and it wasn't until college until I was like actually able to like seek help and therapy and medication and all of that. But I think you just being so open about all of that is going to be amazing for your students. I hope so. I know like I would have appreciated it in high school because I that was when all my struggles happened as well. And I was in and out of therapy. There was a rumor that I died because I took like a mental health week. And then I came back to school and people were like, you're not dead. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Kids are the worst. I know. We're trying to avoid that. We're just going to have honest conversations because nobody yeah. that they died because they took a week off. Right. Mental health days are necessary, whether it's from your job or your hobby or anything that you love to do. Like, I'm a firm believer that you should always prioritize you and your mental health, because if you're not taking care of you, you can't help anyone else. No, no. Like, I know that like when my mental health gets bad, it's going to reflect on the kids. It's going to reflect on my husband. Oh yeah, my dogs like they they, they get mad. They're like, "What are you doing, lady? Like, stop!" (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That being said, husband, you just recently got married. Congrats again on that. Is he like in full support of these goals and dreams? Does he have his own Olympic dreams? Because he is like Mr. CrossFit man too. I know, right? (laughs) He's still very much big into CrossFit. He's on our CrossFit team um, and does all that. But he is probably the only reason that this attempt at bobsledding is even slightly successful because he makes all my meals. He helps me around the house. Wow. He takes care of the animals while I'm working like a crazy person. He's still in school and working as well. <laughs> so, But he is like, when I sat down and told him that I wanted to do it, he was like, if you're going to do it, we're going to like go for it. So we need yeah. to fall in, like focus and get everything going so he's been super super supportive and even to the point where i'm like eating like two or three cookies he's like do olympians eat two or three cookies (laughs) no they eat like one he's like whoa (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i know like it's been my birthday week i've just been eating sweets and he's just like you're you're trying to go to the olympics right like cut it back you're like yeah in like five years leave me alone I'm sorry I've eaten a whole box of donuts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, it's balance. It's self-care, okay? Yeah. Self-care. I had spinach on my sandwich. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, So my final question for you, which you kind of touched on already, but how do you battle comparing yourself to others, whether it's within the athlete realm or people that you knew as interns who are now like in the zookeeper world and you're not like how, how do you help that? Cause I know that's something that I struggle with on the daily. It, it was really hard. Um, probably about, uh, I think it was about March of this year. I had like a complete breakdown about it because there were just a bunch of girls in the gym who made me somewhat uncomfortable with how competitive they were getting with me. And like, it was just, it was a lot. So I talked to my therapist. We went through actually EMDR therapy for like, yeah, we did a whole big thing because it all stems back from me being a figure skater as a child. (laughs) God help stage parents. (laughs) Yay. But that was really, really helpful because at the end of it, while I like processed everything and it was less traumatic, I came out with a lot more, affirmations that I was more aware of 
So like when people are telling you to think positive or like positive self-talk, you really mean anything. I was like, okay, like I'm going to sit there and be like, you're the greatest. Like that doesn't work for me. So through the EMDR, it was more just like, I can focus on myself and just re-saying that to me. And a lot of it also has to do with me pivoting to doing things that I like that are less involved with other people. Like nobody at my gym is doing bobsled. So right now, like I can't see what a lot of the other girls who I'm like other rookies are doing that I'm competing against are doing because yeah, college and they're not posting about it on social media. They have like lives and friends. (laughs) (laughs) So I, so for me, it's been a lot easier focusing on myself, but every now and then it just, it gets in my head and I have to kind of step back and be like, I can focus on myself. I can focus on myself and remember that I don't want to do more EMDR therapy because it was a long process. Yeah. (laughs) But going through that process was definitely helpful. Just naturally now I'm not quite as focused on what everyone else is doing and really just finding things that I like to do that are for me and not getting sucked in to begin with. Because once you're sucked in, it's just down the rabbit hole. You're like, and we're done. Yep. It's all <laughs> all a spiral. And I feel like it all just goes hand in hand. You know, focus on yourself, what you put into it, you'll get out of it. You know, all those sayings that people say and yes. they have some validity to them. Fine. You know, fine. <laughs> some, some. Like some of it, I'm just like, no. No. <laughs> no. no. Like, I know, and social media is a big one, too, because I'll see everyone on social media, and that's a big comparison thing. I think everyone goes through that at this point. Oh, yeah. Where just, it's the biggest point, because everyone posts their highlight reel. So I try not to. I try and post my crappy days and be like, you know, this is life. Like, I'm not a highlight reel. I'm a real person, and things suck, and I have roles as an athlete. Like, that's cool. Like, we're rolling with it, literally. Yeah. Well, and honestly, Mallory, that's what makes you one of my most favorite people to follow. I mean, in real life, because we're friends, but on social media too, because I know that I can always turn and be like, oh, Mallory had a crappy day. I'm not alone. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's normal to have a yucky day. It and is. Yeah. It's normal mm. to be normal. And I think, I think if we remember that too, and more people start kind of being vulnerable, we won't get sucked into this like competitive lifestyle of like my life is the best or you have the best job and you have the best athleticism or whatever because we're not just showing our best we're showing that we are rounded humans with like a multifaceted of things going on and personalities and different lives (laughs) all of that all of that oh thank you so much thank you for sharing your heart and just being yourself and being the incredible powerful human that you are (laughs) uh my last last thing for you is do you have any advice to give anyone that's either been in your position whether they're feeling like they're at a crossroads with their career or you know potentially might be in your position soon do you have any advice for them don't be afraid to try new things because If I had sat in the feeling that I was feeling in November, like I wasn't good enough for bobsled, I wouldn't have spent the summer in Lake Placid. So my internship at Georgia Aquarium, my very first internship, I had no animal experience. I worked at the gift shop at SeaWorld and I applied and I got it and it took off my whole career. So 
Do not be afraid to try something new. Do not be afraid to apply for the job, to do the internship, to do whatever you want to do. Just go for it. The worst thing that happens, you fail, you learn, you do it, something else. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. Such great advice. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and again, sharing your heart. You're incredible. I'm going to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can find you online if you'd like. So plug your social media. <laughs> I mostly use Instagram. So you can find me at baby giraffe lifts 93. And I'm working on starting a vlog about this whole bobsled process. So hopefully I can get that up and running in the next couple weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so exciting. <laughs> we're, yes. We're trying to get it together. I'm not tech savvy. So we're learning. <laughs> Hey, well, you're doing a great job on Instagram, so I'm sure it'll it'll take off from there. Well, thank you again, Mallory. I appreciate you. You're awesome. Thanks for having me. The end. <laughs> thank you for listening to yet another impactful conversation started here on Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. Each week, I'm quite literally blown away by the voices and stories shared here. The goal is to amplify others' experiences in hopes that someone listening out there feels that much less alone. Thank you again, Mallory, for not only sharing her story about her mental health journey with us, but also just spreading such a powerful message of determination and just being an authentic human. If you loved this episode or any previous one, I hope you'll take a second to share it to a bestie or even tell us on social media. I love your reviews online, especially reading ones on podcast hosting platforms. It seriously does make a difference in helping us get these important conversations out there to the world. All right, besties, I'll see you next week.